Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Exploring the Parsha class with Rabbi Rebecca Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro. Parshat Vaigash. Um, unfortunately for everyone, um, we're actually picking up after the grand finale of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which means there are not many show tunes uh, I can sing for you today. Maybe the last part of it. And Jacob came to greet him. Oh, interesting. No longer feeling old. Exactly. That's a good segue. And Joseph came to Egypt in his... No, came to, gre- came to greet him. He's already in Egypt. Oh. Chariot of gold, your turn. Of gold. Your turn. Of gold. I think what we've learned is that when Rabbi Schatz's camera is off, she's much more willing to do show tunes. Okay. Moving forward. Um, we're after that. We're going to be picking up in... Give me my... All right. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, we're going to be picking up... Wait, when you turn your camera off, does that mean you're the distracted one? No, well, you, yes, but uh, but you should continue. <laughs> okay. Um, we're picking up in chapter 47, post-Joseph uh, uh, Megamix at the end of, of uh, the musical. Okay. Um, and so so this is the denouement, right? Like this, this is sort of the aftermath of the story. Cliffhanger has been resolved. Everybody knows who everybody's brother is. Jacob has come down to Egypt with all of his his crew, as they say. Um, but so we're still left with some really interesting questions about, okay, this is a family that has been in turmoil for decades. Uh, what, what now? What, what's going to happen now? Um, and so there is um, this interesting incident where Joseph has specifically told his brothers, don't tell Pharaoh that, that you're shepherds. And, and Pharaoh asks them, what do you guys do? And they say, yeah, we're shepherds. Um, and so they go back and forth um, on that a little bit. We're not, we're not going to be diving into that sort of vignette of the denouement, but we are going to focus in on the next one. So I'm in chapter 47, and we're going to be focusing in on verses uh, 10 through 12 is what we're focusing in on this morning. So Pharaoh's met the brothers. Now Pharaoh's going to meet the dad. Like, like meeting your in-laws, except uh, not. Um, so verse seven, Joseph then brings his father, Jacob, presents him to Pharaoh and uh, Jacob greeted Pharaoh. Interesting here, just the one thing I'll point out in the Hebrew is that it says, Vayivarech uh, Yaakov et Paral. So, so bank, bank that, remember that. Um, and... Uh, oh, no, wait, we're actually... I thought we were doing 8 through 10. We're doing 8 through 10, Rabbi Shatz. You've really okay. got to get it together over there. Yeah, okay. We're doing verses 8 through 10. Uh, okay, so here we are. Verse 8. Vayomer paro el Yaakov, Pharaoh, somewhat lacking social graces, says, Kama shnei How many are the days of the years of your life? I, I don't know much, but I'm pretty sure when you meet someone, that's generally not the first question you're supposed to ask them, but he's Pharaoh. He can do whatever he wants. Vayomer Yaakov el Paro, yemei shnei chayai migurei shloshim u Yaakov says back to Paro, 
the days of the years of my sojourning are 130. Me'at vera'im hayu yamei shnei chayai. Short and bad, bad, bad. Translate them as few and hard. Not very long and pretty, pretty junky have been the days of the years of my life. Velo hisigu et yamei shnei chayai avotai. And indeed, they have not come up to the days of the years of the life's lives of my fathers, Bimei Megrehem, during their sojourning on this earth. I keep, by the way, translating that intentionally because I think it's a slightly funky phrase that like keeps keeps getting used, right? That phrase, Yemei Shnei Chayai, right? Like the, the days of the years of your life. You could just say Shnei Chayacha, the years of your life. You could say Yemei Chayacha, the days of your, days of our lives, uh, which, which, not what the Torah is called. Um, but it's, it's a little bit of a funky phrase, which is why I keep translating it funkily. Um, so there's that. He says, uh, I'm 130 years old. It's been a rough ride. And I'm not even as old as my forefathers were. And that's it. End of conversation. <laughs> Verse 10. So two interesting thing, in, two interesting things here. So here in the JPS translation, it says uh, Jacob bade Pharaoh farewell, but it says Vayivarech, right? Which again, I also called attention to in verse uh, verse seven. He blessed him, right? That's the Pshat translation that Yaakov blesses Pharaoh, which is. A very interesting, I don't, I don't know why you allied that in a translation. It's a, a, a fascinating thing generally to me. Uh, interesting that Jacob, who is for all intents and purposes, just a random lowly Canaanite, is now blessing the most powerful guy in the entire land, right? That's that's interesting. Um, and then he does a mic drop and he pieces out of, of the room, right? He, do, he doesn't ask for permission to go. Pharaoh doesn't say, okay, see you later. He blesses him. And he goes. So I, I think that that's interesting. I'll add sort of the like gloss and a half of the mental health, spiritual growthiness thing that we uh, occasionally focus in on here when we remember to. Um, I think the construct of saying I'm 130 years old and I haven't lived that long is very interesting. It's It's interesting to think about what is the chronological duration of one's life uh, as opposed to the way in which one perceives one's life, right? Time is relative. I will, I will offer up uh, Sarah has been out of town this week. So I've been one on three and look, I'm even uh, sentient and I'm not uh, uh, bleeding or bruised from anywhere. So I'm I'm doing great. Um, Right. So the days feel very different than a standard week, right? Time is relative. We know this. Um, and so I think it's interesting to introduce the general construct of what are you filling your days with? How do you make sure that you're not just counting the days, but making the days count, right? Like that kind of a construct. And in terms of, for me, for us, when we think about our perception, not of time generally, but our perception of our lives, um, what's the what's the perspective that we bring to that? When I worked at Beit Shuvah, I, I would talk about with people all the time about the fact that we we can't change what's happened, but we can change the narrative 
that we have around what has happened, right? Whatever challenges and victories you've had in your life, right? The, the data is the data. The, the details are, are set, but I can tell very different stories about what's happened in my life, depending on how, how I frame it and how I think about it, right? I could tell a story of, oh my God, this week's been so tough. I've had more to do than usual and so on and so forth. Or I can say, there've been some really lovely pieces of this week. I feel good about how I've been able to take care of the kids. I've gotten some good time with them. Uh, it's been a blessing that Sarah's been able to spend time with her parents, right? Like the, the facts are the same, um, but the way that I frame the narrative um, can be very, very different. So I think in Jacob's answer to Pharaoh, uh, I think there's some really interesting uh, stuff um, in terms of thinking about how we frame our experience and how we think about our lives. One little wrinkle that I don't know if it's actually grounded in anything textual, but I thought it was interesting. In terms of that yemei shnei chayai that I sort of kept translating a little weird, um, shanim can of course be years and shnei can also of course be two. And Yaakov is certainly a person where there is doubling and mirroring and the the light self and the shadow self and all that kind of stuff. And so I think it's interesting to wonder about, right, the years of both of my lives, right? He had his life as Jacob, and then he had his life as Israel. Um, and so I sort of wonder, is there a, a linguistic wink uh, in terms of what might be going on there. And yes, I will put it on the note that I've added to my phone. The Linguistic Winks would be a great name for a rock band. Okay, Rabbi Schatz is busy. And she, and I said, I'm happy to take over. And she said, are you sure? And I said, yes, I think I am up to the task of asking for Kushiot. So here we go. We're going to see if I can do it. Judging from a distance, though. Uh, well, some things are consistent. Uh, are there any Kushiot? Renee? So I was also thinking about the mental health piece of it. And um, when he talks about few and hard have been the years of his life, it's almost like an irony because obviously he hasn't had a few years. He's lived quite a long life, Kanahara. And um, he focuses on uh, reducing it because I wonder if the hardness is what made him feel like his life wasn't very long because it was so difficult. Right. And, and like you were saying, you know, looking at the perspective, you can see the glass is half full or half empty. And he clearly sees his glass as ve- not very full. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, of all the, because of all the Taurus that he had. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that the few and the hard are connected. That, that, very that, much so. That, that those two adjectives are, are intentionally put next to each other because it feels like his life has been so difficult. It also feels like his life, his life has been short, that it's, it's like gone by too fast, even though there's a volume of years, right? Most of us right. don't make it to 130. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah. And we only ask for 120, right? That's, that's true. That's true. All right. Uh, yeah. I appreciate that. Thanks, Renee. Okay. Uh, Rebecca. Um. I wanted to, to talk a little bit about the sort of interaction between Jacob and Pharaoh. Great. Um, so Jacob doesn't say this to, to Joseph or to a friend. He goes over, he meets the king, and he complains about his life. And then the king says nothing. And he walks out and he says goodbye and walks out. And I'm thinking, he's thinking, God, I just embarrassed myself. Uh, <laughs> why did I say that? But there's like, there's no explanation of why he chose to say 
to tell Pharaoh that he's had a rough life. Right. And, um, that's it's kind of frustrating to to say something like that to someone and then not get a reaction and no sympathy. You just say goodbye. That's so interesting. So so you're saying your your sort of projection into what's happening in Jacob's mind is that he offers up this relatively vulnerable perspective to this really powerful guy who says nothing. And then he just sort of slinks out of the room and is feeling kind of embarrassed about it. Is that, is that right? Yeah. You know, it probably comes from a place where I I do overthink, you know, you say something and then you go home and you're like, why did I say that? Did they understand what I said? I said the wrong thing or did I say, you know, so that's my, uh, when I read that sentence, I feel like, oh, (laughs) uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. I I am also definitely someone who uh, overthinks and then re overthinks interactions well after they're over. Um, I actually read the gap in response completely differently. I'm seeing like Jacob as like quintessential, a stereotypical old Jewish man here. He like comes in and Pharaoh's like, how old are you? And he's like, Ugh, how old am I? Oi, 130. And it's been no picnic. I got to go take a nap. And he like leaves, right? Like that, that's sort of my, is that he, he doesn't care. It's like, you know, Joseph's like, dad, you got to meet Pharaoh. Oi, do I have to meet Pharaoh? Yeah, dad, you got to meet Pharaoh. Oh, nice to meet you. How old are you? Oi, I got to, my back scene that's kind of my picture of this maybe maybe that indicates that i'm just very eager to reach old jewish manhood kanahara as renee would say um but but that's that that's my that's my take on it i don't know if anyone else sees that way that's that's my take on it elon what do you think a crutchy old jewish man give me some give me some backup here what do you think yeah being a cranky old jewish man myself I, I I actually agree with your interpretation exactly. Farrell asked what's essentially a perfunctory question. How many years of your life? The impression I get is that we all have friends who, who or people we know who we say, how are you? And right. the right response is fine, thank you. Yeah. And But we know people who will then go, oh, my bursitis, my this, my that. Like, no, dude, how are you is just perfunctory. Please don't answer me. So, like, Jacob... I've never been a big Jacob fan. He just reiterates why not. He's whining for no reason. Um, and what's what's even the complete lack of self-awareness is bad, too, because to the extent that Jacob has had a rough go of it, and he hasn't had a completely rough go of it, but most of the stuff where he has a rough go of it are due to his actions. They're not due to the things that other people did. For example... To the extent that he had a rough go with his brother and had to kind of run away from him for a bit, that's because he, you know, he cheated the guy, right? To the extent that he uh, lost his son Joseph for many years, that's because he favored him at the at the uh, expense of all the other brothers. So he, it doesn't seem like he's taking any ownership of his own uh, his own his own issues, um, and and that's once again just. There are. It doesn't seem like there's many impressive things that that Jacob does. He's definitely the least favorite of um, my least favorite of the forefathers. Who's number one? <laughs> no, he's. Oh, who's my favorite? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm curious what the Elon forefather 
ranking is? Like, what's the? Well, if you say it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I would probably rank them in that order. Okay. All right. I think Isaac's underrated. Personally, I think Isaac had a rough go of it. I don't know if I. I don't know if I'd put him higher than two. I think Jake. I, I will say, in defense of of the cranky old Jewish man, which would be a great article for me to write. Uh, in defense of the cranky old Jewish man, I, I think he he is he, a lot of his sorrows is self inflicted. I think that's true, and he's had some rough beats, right? Like the the wife switcheroo, um, and also like Rachel dies in childbirth, right? Like he's he's had some sorrows, right? He he definitely has, and to your point. There's been some good stuff too, right? Especially now, especially now, right? He's finally reunited with his beloved son, as problematic as that dynamic is. Um, so if you would think at, if at any point he would maybe be a bit more positive about what, what has unfolded over the course of his life, like you could trace there were some, some hills, some valleys, some bumps in the road. But at this point, thank God I'm with my family. I'm reunited with Joseph. Things are going all right. And still, um, really struggles to articulate to articulate that perspective. So, so I'm 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 definitely with you on that. Yeah, Nancy, what are you what are you seeing in here? Well, I'm still interested in the question. I, I know you said Pharaoh can ask anything, which is true, but here Joseph is introducing his father, and then this is the question he asks, or this is what he says to him. So there, I don't know. It just it seems like. There's something to it because it's so strange. You're wondering why why Pharaoh, why, why is that what Pharaoh leads with? Right. Right. Great. Great. I actually found a couple of, I, I found a few comments on that um, with, with like completely, with like a couple of different responses on that. So I'm happy to, I'm happy to share those in a moment, which by the way, still not, I would leave with, lead with in a conversation with with anyone. Oh, hey man, nice to meet you. How old are you? Nope, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, even I, even I, no shrinking violet. No, not to to lead with that. Uh, Marlise and or Gary. Yeah, my my question was about Jacob blessing Pharaoh, and whether or not that's just sort of a perfunctory or traditional type of thing that you would do to someone in authority, um, or what. <laughs> Or any other meeting that you know yeah. about that. Yeah, I, I'm really interested in that too. I'll be honest with you. I didn't find a ton on it. Um, but I, I will say, just as, as a reflection on that question generally, um, I think given, and I, and I referenced this when I was sort of reading through the verses, given the massive power differential between the two, it's fascinating to me that it's this way and not the other way around, right? When you think of a person offering a blessing, you generally think of it being the person who has more power, prestige, authority, agency in the interaction, right? Like parents bless their children, which conventionally is a parent, right? My kids don't tell me when to go to bed. I tell them when to go to bed. They don't listen, but I, I tell them when to go to bed, um, right? So it's it's usually not the other way around. And so I I do think there's there's a something there. I don't I don't have enough to go on, but I'm I'm also interested in that. And I'd be curious if if other folks have thoughts on it too. Gary has a thought on it. Yeah, I haven't done 
I mean, to me, it's not wrong to ask how old you are when you have an older person because it's a sign of respect. Essentially, you're that you know you don't say you're that old, but I'm saying you know you, you, when you're looking at somebody who's elderly, it's they, sometimes there is a ni- nice thing to say I'm 96 years old or whatever it's going to be. Uh huh. Okay, interesting. So 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 one one for hey, you know, this is um this this might not be such a weird thing to do. One for like hey, you know, he's 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 curious, right? Um, I could see that. I still think it's a little funky, but but I could see that. Um, I will say, Marlies, I'm just like looking quickly as we're as we're talking. Um, some because I had been looking at it in verse ten, and and I was really looking more closely at eight through ten and not through seven. Though, as I mentioned, like in seven two, right? This is how Jacob reads Pharaoh seems like a lot of the commentators are saying like, this is just how people greeted each other. Right. But I don't know if that's a rabbinic layer or if, if that's actually like the shot straightforward meaning of that, right. That, that I don't know much about, but yeah, I'm interested in it too. Yeah. Denise. So I feel like, I wonder if this is one of those situations where the thing that doesn't make sense is where all the sense is because so this is like, like Faivara Yaakov is Paro, I think is what it says. And then the very next thing is Paro's like, how, how old are you? And he asks in a really weird way, but it's almost like, like Paro's also acknowledging, like, what are you doing? Why are you blessing me? And, and clearly you don't have as much power. Are you like 600 years old? Like what is so special about you that you're Oh, interesting. Me? So you're, you're seeing the, vi- I like that. I, that hadn't occurred to me. Um, I'll, I'll chew on that. You're, you're reading verse seven as sort of being a direct lead into what happens yeah. in verse eight. Jacob yeah, blesses really Pharaoh weird. and Pharaoh's like, man, why are you blessing me? How old are you anyway? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, at odds with the Mafarshim who I, who I've just sort of quickly pulled up, but in interest, cause you know, we do read Sukim particularly narratively as, as like leading into each other. Right. So he blesses him and Pharaoh says, why are you blessing me? How old are you? Right. That's sort of the subtext of why he's asking that. Um, I just pulled up Radak, by the way, who goes in the opposite direction, but is still curious about it because all these commentators, Rashi and Rashbam are saying, this is just what people did to Kings is that that was the con- construct that they, that they blessed them. Radak says this cut, right. He greeted him as is customary. When one is introduced to a King, this custom is highlighted in Malachim. Um, Yaakov blessed Pharaoh again upon leaving after the audience. Uh, I have not found a satisfactory explanation as to why the Torah would record something so ordinary. So not only am I confused and you're confused, but Radak is also confused. So if you're going to be confused with anyone, it's good to be confused with Radak. Um, Okay. Other thoughts and or confusions. Rebecca is also confused. Yes, Rebecca. No, this is not confusing. I'm good. I just opened up something, um, Rashbam, and I don't know if you're going to be talking about that later, if that's one of your sources. No, just, just toss, toss, it, toss it on out there. Well, if I understand correctly, what he's saying is that um, Jacob seemingly looked really old. He looked really bad. And that's why Perot asked him, how old are you? Yeah. In order to explain that he's not that old, he said, oh, you know, 
I'm just 130, but my life was really, really, really bad. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. That was that was one of the two. There there seemed to be two uh, separate but equally important groups. There seem there seemed to be the Mafarshim who say, one Pharaoh asked him, "How old are you?" Because he looked super duper old, and Pharaoh wasn't used to seeing people who looked that old. And Jacob sort of offers it up to say, "And part of the reason I look so old is because of all this stuff that has happened," right? But then there are also some, and the, the commentator who, who said this most clearly that I saw was Rashbam, who said basi- basically what he offers up is that the reason Jacob says this is because he actually, this has actually made him look even older than he is, right? He's like, I wouldn't look so old if all this stuff hadn't happened, right? They're, 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 they're sort of parallel to each other, but one of them is saying, I look really old because of how how because of all the stuff that's happened the other saying i actually only look this old because of all this stuff i would look younger except for all of the garbage that i've been through and I, otherwise i'd look like a, a a spring chicken uh at at 130 i i would i would be you know on on the cover of all sorts of you know geriatric ad campaigns about how you can be living your best life at at 130 were it not for all of the the tsuris, um that has that has befallen me. So I don't I don't know I don't know which one of those if either register with folks, but they're they're like sort of sl- they're they're both explaining why Jacob makes a point to offer this up, but they're they're slightly different. So I don't know if, if folks like one or the other of those better, or neither. Neither people don't like either. Ra- oh yes, uh, Rabbi Rebecca Bartholomew Schatz. Yes. Hi. Um, I, one of the things that I, I've always found fascinating about these verses is that we're so focused on, on ages that are so clearly made up. Um, like there's just no way that he was actually that old. So you don't know that rabbi. Okay, sure. But I do, that's true. I do think that there's something very interesting though, about why, why the age was important for him to share. Right there, there's a way of saying what he said without actually sharing a number. Um, he could have said something along the lines of like, "My life has been really tough, and you know, this is this is how old I am." Or he could have said it in a way that I don't have the verse. Can you put the verses back up? Um, yeah. That he could have said it in a more kind of straightforward way, as opposed to the emphasis that I think is on. Um, like the years of his life, right? The years of my sojourn, right? He's not even saying the years of my, he's not even saying this is how old I am. He's just saying the years of my time on earth are 130. So does he feel 130? Has he actually been alive for 130 years? Um, so I think, I don't know. I mean, because many people, I think I drafted on this a few years ago. Like many people find this to be fascinating for all the reasons we're commenting right now. But the fact that it says few and hard have been the years of my life, he's both saying that he's really old and that he hasn't lived very long. So I think that those those two things are are really in conflict with one another. And so to focus on what do the numbers actually mean or what what is the actual focus of saying how old you are in this case um, is really is really fascinating. So that's all. Yeah. 
there, there's another piece to this that we haven't yet touched on that I think is really interesting. We haven't talked about the second half of verse nine at all. And I think that there's something in that as well is that there's, there's a comparative piece here too, right? He's not just saying um, I'm 130 and it's been short and tough. He's also making it comparative with those who have come before him, right? He's also saying, um, it's been short, it's been tough, and I haven't even gotten to the same lifespan um, as my father's did. And I, and I wonder about that because I think one of the, I think it's a challenge in life, I'll speak for myself, to live life non-comparatively, right? Where am I at my current age in terms of where other people are at in their careers? Where am I at in my age and compared, right, as compared to, home ownership or family size or, you know, car I drive, books and library, right? Whatever it is, right? Um, anything that, that might be out there. I think I'm in the lead for 37-year-olds with, with number of books, um, much to my wife's chagrin. But otherwise, I don't know that I'm in the league leaders, uh, but at least I've got that going for me. I made a commitment. I, 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 I had made a commitment to myself that I wouldn't buy any more books before the end of the year. And I was at Beverly Hills Library and the used bookstore was back open. Don't tell Sarah that I got, I got six books for $10. How can you, how can you pass, how can you pass that up? You can't. It's impossible. You'll never be able to notice because they'll just go in the many other piles of books in your house. I get, thank you for enabling my issues, Rabbi Shots. Anyway, um, there, there's a, there's a comparative piece here, right? And speaking for myself, and I think generally, being in comparison is rarely a healthy thing. I think it's very rare to, to look at other people and see what they have and then looking back at ourselves and that helps us feel better about it. And even when it is, even if you look at other people and say, oh man, they're in really bad shape. Oh, guess I'm in better shape compared to them. I don't think that's like a healthy way of feeling good about what we have either, right? I think there's a challenge in seeing what we have and saying, this is enough, right? right? Who is truly rich, who is truly wealthy, the person um, who, who delights in what they have. That's really difficult. That's an incredibly difficult spiritual challenge, um, I think, just in life. And I wonder um, about how the fact that this verse is set up when Jacob says, few and hard have been the years of my life, and not even as long as my fathers have lived, um, I don't think it's an accident that that comparative piece is in there in terms of how he's thinking about the qualitative elements of what the content of his life has been to this point. I don't think that's that's an accident. Um, when I, like in the sort of addiction recovery world, there's this idea of of comparing your insides to the outsides of others, right? That like, my, I, I know how this feels to me. And then, oh, I look at that person and they seem so happy, but that's not how I feel. Well, you actually have no idea how anyone else ever feels about anything. It's impossible, right? So the challenge of saying, okay, I'm going to focus on making the best of what I've got um, and being an acceptance of the fact that it'll seem like some people have more, 
it'll seem like some people have less and I'm going to do the best that I can in terms of my current situation. Um, I think that's something to aspire to. Um, and I think it's also something that's really, really, really difficult. Um, and I kind of see, I don't know if that's what you get on the first read of this verse, uh, but it's, but it's something that in, in looking at it a bit, it's something that I noticed. Renee, you've had your hand up for a while, but you have since left the computer to cook something else delicious. Um, but oh, now you're back. Yes. Hello, Renee. I don't remember exactly what I was going to say, but I think it was that back to what you were talking about earlier, that there are certain sects that I know of. I don't know what the sects are, but I know that there are certain groups of people who do bless everyone that they come in contact with. Yeah. So maybe that's where uh, he was coming from with his blessing of uh, Pharaoh. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I mean, that's going back a ways, but I, I wonder also if there's something in that in kind of the the inverse in what I'm, I'm pushing on a bit, right. To, to see that each one of us, each one of us has the capacity to offer blessings. Oh, that was my Josh a few weeks ago. Oh, um, I was definitely at Shoal and was paying attention to it. Yeah. Great. Um, I actually want to offer based on what Renee just said. I, I, I think that, I think you're right. And I also think like Pharaoh did a lot of really amazing things for Joseph, right? We, we hear the word Pharaoh and we think negative because of the Moshe story. But if you actually think of this Pharaoh and Joseph's relationship, he was a really great guy <laughs> and he gave him a lot of opportunity and he made his life really great. And I think that there's reason to bless, even if you leave a situation for something better, if you've had the blessing of whether it's working with a person or being mentored by someone or being raised by someone um, who's really made your life different. The fact that you are then leaving their side, you, you owe them blessing. Um, And I think that's what he's doing here. I actually don't find it so surprising that he offers him a blessing, but, um, but I think to Alon's point, like he's, he's not a saint himself and he's recognizing that this person really made his life meaningful and that's i i i find that to be very powerful yeah i get that i still think it's funny to like stroll in here is your blessing how old are you i'm very old bye like that's you know still kind of a funny interaction i I think you're also reading it in 2021 like i'm not i'm not sure that's true i agree with that yeah Yeah. i'm not sure that you would that it'd be the same if you read it i am i and i certainly wouldn't be doing it over zoom uh yes, Tybal. Um, two things. One, as you were saying, being an old crotchety woman <laughs> that my kid for a very long time just calls an AK, you know, an Altacocker. I okay. uh, want to tell you what you have to look forward to as a book collector. I hit the point decades ago where I had to make a rule that's for myself that said if I I had to read it first to know that I would want to read it again to allow myself to buy it. Wow. That's a high standard to hold myself to. Right. Who I recently have to tell you uh, took, I could have gotten a, like, what is it? An Amazon gift card for something, but a choice was a book. So I took the book instead because I thought that wouldn't count and I knew I would want it. Anyway, why I wrote (laughs) him originally Because when you were talking about what your personal struggle is with envy, I just kept thinking that why that is for many people the toughest of the 10 in the Decalogue. And the only one that's not, you know, an action, it's a a way of thinking and why for many people it just really is a struggle 
to not even say, well, the grass always looks greener, but look at those people who are worse off just to say, I'm not even going to look at that. Yeah. I mean, go to the Perkei Avos, which I'll probably paraphrase incorrectly, which says, who is wealthy, the one who is happy with his or her lot, which is, it's just so hard not to make comparisons. Though, you lucky guy with books and a kid named Jonah. <laughs> well, and, and lucky guy in so many ways. Like, like, I am, I am blessed beyond measure. Full stop. Thank God. And I still look around and I say, I want this and I want that, right? Like it, it is, it is really challenging, you know, and, and to, I mean, you, Taibo, you, you put a, a finer and, and more discomforting point on it than it, right? I'm talking about wanting more and, and not, not feeling, you know, like I have enough. You said envy and, and yeah, that's true. It hurts to say that. Um, but I, th- I think that's, that is what it is. Um, and that's uncomfortable, you know, and I think it's grasping. I think it's insecurity. I think it's, it's fear of not having enough. Um, I think it's ego, right? I think it's wanting, wanting more. Um, I think it's all of that. And to your point as well, like out of, out of the, out of the, out of the 10, out of the Decalogue. Um, yeah, the sense that, um, this is the one, right? That this is the one that's not about an action or like a theological statement. This is the, the one that's about um, like an inner sort of psycho-emotional spiritual process, right? Don't covet. Like, well, you know, no people don't have coveting scorecards that they walk around with, although probably you can find one on Amazon. Um, but but that's something that's that's much more difficult to track. Um, but you know, sort of like we talk about this a lot when it comes to law, you don't, you're only ever legislating against something, right? Like you, if, if people didn't want to drive too fast on the highway, you wouldn't need to set a speed limit on the highway. The reason there are speed limits is because, well, otherwise people would drive too fast. You know, the reason you have stop signs is because otherwise people wouldn't stop, right? You, you wouldn't need to say, don't covet or don't, don't be envious unless it was something that was there, right? Unless it was, unless it was something that was happening. Um, and so then the invitation and the challenge is to navigate through that. Uh, not, not easy. Yeah, Megan. Oh, just going to riff on what you guys are saying about, um, I also think it's cultivated by the culture you live in. Like speaking as maybe perhaps one of the younger people in this group. <laughs> I think objectively um, one of the younger. I don't I don't think you can say maybe. I think we can say objective. Although it depends. Well, actually you define age, right? Few and hard have been the year and he was You one revealed time. your age today and I'm the same age as you. So we're we're equal there. And I know I know Rabbi Schatz is younger than both of us. Yeah, Rabbi um, Schatz is 12, that's right. She's the youngest. Um so anyway, you know with our social media environment that is today, that's been cultivated that envy, that want that feeling that we don't have, we can never have enough. And so I think there's a really big cultural element of that. And I don't know if that is worldwide. I think it's part of human nature too, but I think it can be either watered or, you know, not given fuel. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. I think the social media thing is definitely gasoline on a fire. Um, Oh, there are now two rabbis shots here. Lucky us. Look at that. We have two rabbi shots here. Oh my God. Taking a picture of this, it is my lucky day. I have two Rabbi Shatzes in a class. That, now that is enough. Two Rabbi Shatzes. Um, 
I do think the social media thing can be kind of gasoline on the fire to be sure. Although I will also say, uh, try as you might, you will, you will not find me on social media at all. I'm not on there. Um, much, much to my, I think, emotional health. Um, and Sarah, Sarah has been on Facebook and she's, she's done with it. She just actually posted. She's like, I'm, I'm out. Um, so I agree with that. Uh, and Megan, to your point as well, I, I do think part of it is also cultural. I think there are, are um, cultures and societies and countries that are much more communitarian um, than the U.S., as we have seen in any number of ways over the past year and a half, right? A sense of collective good is is not something that our country necessarily has in spades. Um, and I think when there is a very strongly individualistic ethos, um, I think that also sort of mashes that envy button pretty aggressively, which we then have a choice right, about how we're going to respond to that. Um, but I, I think that also uh, ramps it up that much more. It's my sense of it. Yeah, Paula. Hi, Paula. Hi. Um, so I wanted to go back to something Rabbi Schatz had said about blessing, that we're all capable of of giving blessings and receiving blessings that I used to, um, our house on Friday night used to be open to anybody from the cross country team that wanted to come for Shabbat dinner. And I blessed my kids on Friday night and it was a really very powerful experience to say to kids who were not Jewish, um, do you want me to bless you? I bless my children. Do you want me to bless you? And every single kid said yes, much to my shock. Everyone said yes. And it was really very moving to um, bless these kids, you know, with the traditional blessings. And I always add a blessing. So, and I think that for me right now, when someone is really um, uh, challenging for me, I, I tend to um, do something that I learned in meditation, you know, you know on Shabbat morning with may, related to the priestly blessings of may you feel peace, may you have ease, may you be complete. And, and I find if I give blessing to somebody like that, it just de-escalates me and my reaction to them. So I wonder what, um, if... Jacob dealing with his stress of meeting Pharaoh and, and also going back to something Rabbi Schatz said about, you know, Pharaoh wasn't all evil um, in terms of, you know, Joseph's family was allowed to settle and flourish and thrive, but I would not up to a point, you know, when people became enslaved, there's no benefit or nothing good to speak of about that. No blessing there whatsoever. But prior to that, I think they're, they're, it's hard to learn from people who are very challenging and difficult. And yet if, it's, if you can change that, if you can, you know, sort of adjust your perspective of, look how much I learned from this horrible human being in my life. Look, how it, look what wonderful qualities I have now because I experienced that and this is how I adjusted to it. Although, so, I will, Paul, I will say to that, the Pharaoh who enslaves the Jews is a new Pharaoh. Right. We hear that in the first chapter of Shemot. Right. So I, I think there, there might be something interesting in there as well as as recognizing that people aren't just their titles. Right. For example, 
you, you could have someone who's the president of the United States and depending on who currently holds that office, uh, feel radically different about that person, depending on the person who's in that office, hypothetically speaking, right? So, so it's that people, people aren't just their titles, right? People aren't just their, um, honorifics, right? That you can have a pharaoh and you can have a pharaoh and it might feel significantly easier to, to offer blessing to one of those pharaohs. You know, I think, I think that that's an interesting piece as well that sometimes, um, can be tricky too. Yeah. That's it. Thank you. Yeah, Rebecca. Um, what, what you and, and Megan said about envy, I thought was really interesting because, um, because the way we, you know, the way she had, you had brought it up, you know, with, with, um, with what's happening today, with how we see other people. And, and I have, I have a daughter who's 13. And so I'm very aware mm-hmm. of her, what she sees on Instagram and what, how it affects her mood. But the interesting thing here to me was that he's, he's envious of his, of his father and his grandfather. And um, I can't wait for the day that she will envy something in me because that is not where we're at. Um, but I do remember that you're at, I, the, you're at the first part of the Mark Twain quote. You'll get to the second. But you're I there. think I'm in the on the bottom of the yeah. curve. So I think we start off. I remember my daughter actually being envious of things I had, wanting my shoes, wanting my freckles, you know, all that. And then now not so much. And I'm wondering how that shift happens and what that where you have to be in your mind to be able to be envious of your parents. I don't feel that I'm there yet. Really, yeah. So. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about the parents piece specifically. I mean, I, I love both my parents very much and I'm, I'm grateful to have them in my life and I'm grateful, you know, the more people I meet, the more grateful I am for my parents. Right. Like it's, it's not a given at all that, you know, as, as an adult that I'll have loving relationship with both my parents, that they'll be still married, that they'll be, you know, people who are, are loving grandparents. I, that's amazing. That's right. I, I don't know that I'd say there's necessarily something that I'm envious about with them specifically. Um, but I will say that I think in general, the envy piece, at least in my experience, comes from insecurity and fear. Right. And that can be targeted in any number, right. Then, then that can get sprayed in any number of different directions. Right. And, and maybe at the end of his life, you know, Jacob, even with right. The reunion with Joseph, he's, he's feeling that more strongly. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's something that he's been walking around with. I mean, Elon was, was referencing this earlier. Like this is always a guy who's been in competition with others, right. Going back to his experience with his brother and then, passing that on to to his kids and all of the the toxic ramifications of that um this will probably spoil this as a possibility for next week's class right but the fact that he blesses both of joseph's sons at the same time right rather than blessing first one then the other right you know there's there's something to be said about how maybe that's a moment of chuva right that that he has finally finally learned um, that you don't bless first one, then the other, that that, that blessing is offered equally, um, which also then gets back to what we've been talking about with blessing um, as well. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know that piece specifically, but, um, you know, in terms of the Instagram piece, God, I, I, my, my oldest is 10 and 
I am I am not looking forward to navigating that that social media piece with him. We're just we're just gonna we're just gonna like go into like a cement bunker where where there's like no technology allowed because it's it's scary. It is scary. Um, but particularly the studies that have been coming out, I'm sure, Rebecca, you've seen them about the impact that social media has on teens, particularly on on young women is just <sighs> scary stuff, man. Scary yeah, stuff. with the cement bunker. <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> um, I don't know how to segue out of the cement bunker into a bow for this week. Maybe Rabbi Schatz does. Rabbi Schatz, do you have a bunker-related bow? I, I don't, but I agree with Rebecca. Good luck with a cement bunker, especially with Jonah. I can't really imagine that working out well. So. It would have to be a, a very heavily padded bunker for any of my children. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that I have a... I mean, I think we floated around in some really interesting pieces today in terms of um, blessings and insecurity and envy and a sense of perspective on our lives. So I'm I'm grateful for all of that. I guess maybe just the one little bow I'll offer up is I think that having a sense of being able to bless comes from a place of abundance and gratitude as opposed to envy and comparison, which often do not. Um, so as we enter into Shabbat, my hope for myself as I navigate the next how many hours, uh, 45 hours of parenting solo and you guys who hopefully have slightly less uh, maniacal weekends ahead um, that we each manage to, you know, approach and see our lives from a place of a sense of gratitude and abundance because it is that, I mean, even there and like couching that, like I'm a lucky guy. I get to spend the next two days with my kids um, and hopefully enjoy the time with them and spend Shabbat with them. And Sarah gets to have that time with her parents. Like those are blessings, right? Can see them as challenges, can see them as blessings. So I'll offer that up to all y'all and also really to myself to try to get myself into that time frame heading into Shabbat. Um, one quick pitch. Uh, from from a, a center for spiritual growth perspective, Meditation Plus back on campus this week at Temple Beth Am. For those of y'all who have enjoyed that in the past, uh, Rabbi Ruth Sohn will be bringing Meditation Plus back um, into three dimensions this week, um, which is very exciting. Rabbi Ruth is awesome um, and someone who I have learned a lot from over the years. And it's wonderful that uh, we are slowly, slowly getting to a place where that can be happening um, in a more uh, directly uh, interactive way and not just through the screen. So that's a good thing. That's an exciting thing. And wherever you find blessing and abundance, I hope you find it over Shabbat. And thanks for showing up, folks. Shabbat shalom. We'll see you soon. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.